Coming at you live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet that just got back from vacation. Yeah. And sometimes goes off script to mess up their co-hosts. <laughs> it's the Noobs and the Hoobie, and my name's Austin, I'm the Hoobie, and these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're, we're the, the noobs. noobs. And this is that podcast that's... <laughs> Corbin, you okay there, buddy? <laughs> what? what? You sort of faded out of there. <laughs> like, and we're the... <laughs> and we're the podcast, introducing... A whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who have. <laughs> In unison, unscripted. Incredible. Genetics is real. Uh, welcome to episode number 161 covering season 11. Is that right? Is this season 11? It is season 11. Yeah, season man. 11, episode 3, Rosa. To which Tripper said, oh, like Rosa Parks. That was Corbin. Oh, was that Corbin? Yeah, I didn't get that till we were in the episode. <laughs> Anyways, this is the one where the Doctor and her companions go back in time to stop a released prisoner from fulfilling his lifelong dream of stopping Rosa Parks from stopping sectionalism on buses and in turn become part of the original timeline. That was way harder to say. <laughs> <laughs> stopping sectionalism on buses. Why does buses Why is- look wrong? I know it's spelled right, but it looks wrong. Buses too is many one of those S's yeah. in one word. Buses is one of those words that doesn't look Half right. of the letters in that word are S. <laughs> Just for the record. Uh, this is story number 279, originally airing October 21st, 2018, to 8.37 million viewers. Hello, guys. We're back. No more of this 5 million viewer nonsense. Wasn't it like two two episodes ago was like... Yeah, the like highest 12 ever. million or whatever. I was, no, it was like 10 point something, like 10.94 or something like yeah. that. Uh, so. But still, 8.37 is, is nice. no slouch, uh, you know, compared to... We were, remember, we were we were just hovering above 5. Yeah, I think we got to then, 4.9. Yeah, we dipped below 5 million at one point, so... Uh, guys, this was uh, written by Mallory Blackman and Chris Chibnall, as we, you know, we're, we're just going to always say, Chris Chibnall, and then maybe somebody else as well for yeah. this entire season. Now, Mallory became the first person of color to write for the series. Now, again, what? Yeah. Hmm? Really? We said last week that... Wait, um, is this, the, is marked... this the first one that she's wrote, though? Uh, how do you mean? You said what? she's the first person of color to write this. Is, she, is this her first she... story? Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is this the yeah. first episode written <laughs> by a person yeah, of color? Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> yes, yes. Why was I confused? No, no. She wrote 17 episodes in the last three seasons. I've never brought it up We never brought it up. Before. Never brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She, um, we said last week that Mark Tonderai, I hope I'm saying that right, was the first black director in mm-hmm. Doctor Who. And we had mentioned he was not the first person of color to direct because the first director, oh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Waris, uh, uh, is it Waris? something mm-hmm. anyways uh hussein mm-hmm. was the you know the director of the first you know series um but uh so now we have she's not the you know, we're, we're not making that distinction the the wikia actually said the first non-white writer in doctor who now this is hmm. this is doctor who proper because they did mention that um of all people uh noel clark um <laughs> uh mickey Mickey Ricky. Yeah. Um, he actually wrote an episode for, uh, it was either Torchwood or maybe it was Class, one oh. of the spinoffs. Um, but but Doctor Who proper, um, she's the first non-white writer for the series. Mm. And then there's this little caveat note here, in broadcast order. Now, the reason it says in broadcast order 
is because she wrote this episode and this episode is airing now. Okay. But there is, um, we're going to talk about next week. We're going, or no, sorry, not next week, but later on in the season, we're going to meet the second person of color to write an episode in broadcast order, but they were kind of both in the writer's room at the time. So, So you know, they were both writing it at the same time. uh, It got released differently. Exactly. Exactly. So she wrote, she wrote the one that got released first. Huh? It's like the first man on the moon. They're both in the spaceship. Just one yeah. got off before. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ex- actually, that's that's actually surprisingly apt. Actually, the parallel is almost perfect, Trip. Well done. Guys, I mean, hit stop. Look, we're done. The show's over. We've we've achieved perfection. Best analogy. We've yeah, so at any rate, um, uh, Mallory was a, uh, or is a children's author, has, I think she's like, she's won awards as a, as a children's book author, um, all these kinds of things. She's, she's got like the OBE, um, which is not knighthood. It's, it's one of the other things in the UK. <laughs> Listeners across the pond, I apologize for, for my, for my ignorance of all of the different, uh, titles and everything. I know it's important. I know that much. Um, now this one was also directed by Mark Tondrai, who we mentioned last week, was the first black director in Doctor Who. So even though this isn't his first episode, yeah. this episode, Rosa, was written by the first non-white writer and directed by the first black director, right? Uh-huh. Fairly appropriate for an episode about the beginning of the civil rights movement in, in the United States. Um, so even though uh, this wasn't Mark's first episode that he directed it's actually it's the second one you know it's the very next week mm. and the these two uh this one and ghost monument were the ones that we mentioned that were recorded in south africa they were yeah. they were uh recorded they were filmed in south africa and if, i'm trying to remember if mark tonderite is from what why are you looking at me like this that? episode was filmed in yeah apparently parts? parts of it parts of it were recorded uh in south africa and maybe parts of it were I don't think any part of it was actually recorded in Alabama now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's all it's all just like, hey, find an area that has old buildings and then dress yeah, it up yeah. or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, at any rate, the, these two were done. Um, and again, they're, the, the Wikia keeps mentioning, I don't know if it's, if it's like a, a big important thing, but there was some production company in South Africa that they partnered up with to do these two episodes. So I don't know if maybe that was something that was like, highly pushed in the marketing at the time or because it keeps coming up on the wiki. Under uh, miscellaneous trivia, this was the first episode of Doctor Who to feature a song other than the theme song over the closing credits. Did that jar y'all like it did me? A little bit. Remember this, uh, the rise up that yeah. starts playing when she's, when Rose is being arrested. Yeah. And then we leave and we have, you know, the doctor gives, you know, the history lesson um, and and uh, they're watching, you know, newsreels up on the wall of the TARDIS because apparently there's a there's a projector on the wall or something. And um, and then it cu- and then all of a sudden the episode's over and it goes to the closing credits. And That's instead so of going, it's rise up, starts playing again. Or maybe it was playing underneath the doctor the whole time. I don't remember. And fades back in. So there was a, and and Jared, uh, I don't know. Did Jared mention this? Uh, I don't think he did. There was an, there was a classic who episode that featured no music over the closing credits. It was like one episode of a 
of a uh, cereal. Was it, was it like um, the last one or something? I, I, I don't even know. That sounds like an accident or something. Yeah, they, <laughs> forgot, they to forgot to put it, to put it in. Somebody forgot to hit play. Uh, so, so that was the, you know, up until now, that was the only time that we ever had the closing credits without the theme song. This is the first time it was because there was some other song playing. And to me, it just, it was so jarring when I watched it. But at the same time, it was, it was kind of appropriate because that when that, wow. oh my gosh, when that's, I, this is the third time I've watched it. And every time that scene happens and that song starts playing, I'm like, are you trying to kill me right now? Like, oh my <laughs> gosh. And then you go through again, sort of the doctor giving the breakdown mm-hmm. of, and then here's what happened and blah, blah, blah. And, and this is a truly, by the way, truly, truly, truly historical episode yeah. where it was like, now children, let's learn about the rest of the, you know, like, <laughs> and the rest of the story. And then the song comes back in right after that. And it's just like, Oh, oh something's in my eye. I'm not crying. You're crying. Shut up. Um, anyways, you know, what are, are you okay? <laughs> I'm kind of emotional right now. <laughs> This is a good episode. Yeah, uh, the yeah. cast. So we've been trickling out the um, the, um, the 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 companions, right? So this week we wanted to talk about Ryan Sinclair, played by uh, Tosin Cole. I think it's Tosin. I, I'm always debating on whether it's Tosin or Toss. I think it's Tosin Cole. Um, he played uh, a character named uh, Soul Levi or or Levi or I don't know how the I don't know how the Brits say it um, in EastEnders because of course um, yeah. he also played a character named Neil Cooper. Uh, on Holly Oaks later, a show I know nothing about, but he had like, he was like a series regular on there. So I was like, oh, this huh. must have been a, a big deal. More importantly, guys, he was Lieutenant Bastion in Star Wars The Force Awakens. You guys know Lieutenant Bastion. Yeah, I who? have no earthly idea who that guy is. I'm sorry, you must not have heard me properly. I said he played <laughs> Lieutenant Bastion. Oh, yeah. All right. In Star Wars guy. The Force Awakens. Right. I uh, know, he, he, he was an X Wing pilot in Red Squadron and he helped take down Starkiller Base. And there is a great shot of him. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the typical, uh, X-wing pilot shot where it's like basically head and shoulders with a bunch of technology around them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the helmet and they're, you know, and there's lasers blasting all around them and everything. It's that. Um, "Ah." (laughs) Right. Um, I believe he actually survived because I think he is, uh, in the, like the celebration scene after they take down Star Trek. Amazing. Now, he is also in pre-production right now for a remake of the 1990 kid and play classic House Party, which I didn't even, I wasn't even aware Mm -hmm. that 30 years later, they're making a reboot of that. Kid and play was, uh, they were, uh, let's see, in 1980s slash early 90s, what would you call it? Hip hop or rap? I don't know. Fresh Prince style rap. Okay. (laughs) That, that genre of rap. Kid and play, these two guys. And, um. For whatever reason, they started, maybe it was Will Smith, uh, they started doing like movies and uh, they did one called uh, House Party. And then I think they did one or two other movies, but for some reason, like House Party like hit, man. It was, it was the right time, the right place. And it became really popular. They did, I know Kid and Play themselves did at least one more sequel, but in looking at this, there were apparently four And at least one, at least the fourth one was like direct to DVD cash grab, not even featuring kid and play. Okay. (laughs) So at any rate, um, and, and, and so he's listed, he and one other guy are the top two, uh, actors build. So I can only imagine that he's playing 
one of the one of the two main yeah. characters that was originally played by Ken Blay. So, uh, you know, look forward to that, guys. I know I know y'all have been waiting. Oh, I know yeah. y'all have been oh, waiting. Yeah. This movie I heard of five minutes ago. I, yeah. Like, been waiting, since, waiting five minutes was, to know that there's a remake coming. Yeah. Ever since five minutes ago. Ever I've since been I was young, you know. <laughs> well, it's in pre-production, so you're going to have to wait a little bit. Oh. Okay, it's not It's not quite ready for theater. <laughs> Sitting in anticipation right <laughs> so now. So it'll be the 35th anniversary of the original film. Guys, News in the Hoobian is brought to you by Google Fi. Um, Google has its own cell phone service. Uh, for just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text. And then $10 per gig of data after that, you can add on extra lines for $15 a line. And they've got unlimited plans. Um, we This month, we, we, we could have used the unlimited plan because Boy, did we blow up our usage. But, oh, yeah. but most months, we don't need uh, all that much because we just pay that $10 per gig, and uh, it's all one big bucket of data, so it'll give you a breakdown. By the way, there's really cool management tools you can look in and see. I can tell you how many gigs Corbin used and how much Trip used and how much Keely used and how much I used and all this kind of stuff. Um, I can even look and see, whoa, why is my usage up so much? And I can look day by day, and it'll be like, holy cow, you did you know 800 megs on this one day. What were you doing? Like. Uh, you didn't realize you had YouTube running in your pocket the whole time. Uh, so at any rate, guys, uh, head on over to noobsinthehoobian.com slash fi, and you can not only get this great cell phone service, you can get $20 off after your first month. Tell them Noobs in the Hoobian sent you, would you? All right, so the checklist, the name of the episode, spoken in dialogue. I mean, der, right? It's yeah. called Rosa. Yeah. Be hard yeah. not to. Be, yeah. just call her Parks, though. It wasn't even... <laughs> they intentionally <laughs> they, don't say They never actually name. say her first name. Yeah. Mrs. Parks. Uh, and this was one where it wasn't even worth doing a, a tally, you know, account. It was like the main character's <laughs> like name. like 40 times. Uh, yeah. In the first two scenes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, creature of the week. We didn't have a creature of the week. So we'll go baddie of the week was Crasco, a time-traveling racist psychopath from the 79th century. You forgot Greaser. Oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> He's totally I, I, cool. Okay, I've oh, seen Jared's thing, so I know he references that. I really hope that he talks about that in his segment too, because yes. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. And it wasn't in his notes. I, I'm getting the feeling he just riffed. Um, at any rate, he was in Storm Cage, which is the same prison as River. Well, so I mean, River he was must kind have been of in that. Bad guy. What? I mean, River was kind of in there. Well, no, she was definitely in there. She, she was kind of a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was only kind of a prisoner there. Why was she in there again? For murdering the doctor. Oh, yeah. Wow. Remember, that's how she got out? By murdering the doctor? By, no, by, <laughs> by it coming to light that the doctor was alive and well and everything was fine. And, uh, or, or no, no, no. No, no, no. It was when he started erasing himself from all the databases in the universe. All of a sudden, she was guilty of murdering somebody who never existed. Ah. So then she got out. Makes sense. But enough about River. <laughs> what am I saying? There's never enough about River. Um, so, um, so, yeah, the fact that he's there means uh, he's a pretty bad guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, even by his own, you know, pseudo humble admission is like, ah, you know, not that many people died. I mean, maybe a hundred. I mean, a maximum a thousand. Okay. It was okay. 2000. It was 2000. Yeah. It's like, uh, you're not impressing anybody here, buddy. No. Um, why didn't the doctor just like stuff him in the police box like they uh, used to do with, with actual criminals, with actual police boxes or like, you know, like throw him in the TARDIS and like leave. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I hate to be the guy to say, why did this episode happen? Yeah. But like, why did this episode happen? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it's a fair criticism. If they miss something yeah. so easy, what? she just let him walk away. It's like, obviously, okay. he can if still do things. If she realized that he cannot harm anybody, 
uh-huh. just grab them by the collar and just drag them. That's away. what I'm saying. That scene, that scene where he grabbed her by the throat and then his whatever implant thing made him stop. Is when she should have taken the teleporter and teleported I, him way out in the future. Or, or even, okay, because, because we, again, we're like, you know, weapons are bad, okay? Um, it's a teleporter. Whatever. You could even say, right, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like, even if you wanted to argue that that wasn't the way to do it, even though that's the way <laughs> Ryan ended up doing it, yeah. then just grab him and put him in the TARDIS and leave. She didn't even try to incapacitate him in any Tie way. Tie him up. I, yeah. yeah. Handcuff him to she, a radiator like a film noir. His, his teleporter thingy that made him travel through time, put him somewhere in the past where those didn't exist. I'm saying, like, so like, many literally ways. literally back him up. Like 50 okay, years. Okay, okay. Grab him, throw him in the tar. You don't even need, look. Oh, because she was alone and the companions weren't were there. So, <laughs> so throw him in the TARDIS, well, drop him off a storm cage, and then come back and say, Yes, Ryan Graham, hey, uh, I took care of it. So, our harebrained scheme of memorizing bus schedules. And by the way, it was like, I want to know everything about Rosa Parks. Who, where she works, what time she gets off, what church she goes to. I'm like, it's Wednesday. Like, <laughs> we're not, you're talking about tomorrow. Y'all aren't doing a month's worth of surveillance. Yeah. Like, just, you know what her just, stop is just, and you know what stop she's getting off at. I'm saying. That's all you need. So I'm saying. So I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't. I, <laughs> just get him out of there. Something. That's all I'm saying. Burn Corbin, is this your note or is this my note? Uh, well, I wrote it down. I have you thoughts. were the one that said it first. Yeah. We'll go. So, uh, go why was he a racist? <laughs> He's from the 79th century. Otherwise, this couldn't happen. But yeah, why it is he could. from the 79th century? Why is he a racist? Wait. So, <laughs> should it have been that he was just coming back to kill Rosa Parks? What this, no, this episode I didn't just, happen. It's. I mean. I don't. <laughs> That is at a loss for Crasco sucks. Okay. Crasco. Yeah. As a character, he sucks. Like, like, like Crasco, the character. Yeah. Sucks as a human being and, and all of that. And then the creation of such a character sucks <laughs> on a production level. <laughs> because Awful. what? Because. His plan sucks because it won't even work. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, 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 okay. Can we talk about the plan? I want to talk the about pl- his plan. The plan. All right. Let, let's, let's. Well, I don't okay. know if he had we, a plan. What do you want to dive into first? How stupid it is that he's a racist, he's a white supremacist Let's start in the with 79th that. century? Let's okay. start with that. All right. So, okay. One of, the, <laughs> one of the criticisms leveled against Chibnall about this season is that it's a little preachy. I mean, and, that's just true. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're only three episodes in, buddy. <laughs> Wait, what was the ghost monument preachy about? Oh, I don't what know. was the first episode um, preachy about? The, the second one was about how like all people are equal or whatever. What? Because mm, like the ghost monument? What? Yeah, because they were like, okay, that what? one dude didn't care about anybody's life. We watched that episode and like two weeks ago. Like, I do not remember it. The race. We actually watched it three weeks yeah. ago. But like, yeah. What now? The, the 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 guy who was running the race didn't care about anybody's life, and then the doctor well, just, was trying to tell him like, oh no, you shouldn't be that way. Or I don't know. That wasn't well, the same. Okay. Like, but well, people's lives are worth it. Or, uh, I think, yeah, I think the message there was we need, like we need each other. Like we need, yeah, you need other like people. That. Get over yourself. But you're okay. You're, we're not there yet, but we're going to explore. We're going to explore some stuff in this season. Okay. <laughs> and if you situate yourself in 
what was it? 2018? This was, this was late 2018. And then uh, 20, I guess it was 2020 before we actually got the, the 12th season. If you situate yourself in that time, it's real easy to go, oh, I know what she's talking about. Um, I know what Chibnall was getting at here, right? Sometimes when we watch some of the older episodes, especially when we watch Classic Who, it's, or, okay, like when we watch Star Trek, the original series, and Kirk and Uhura kiss, and I have to pause it and go, okay, boys, this was let me very, break down something for you here. This was uh, game-changing. There, right there are channels in the world today that will refuse to play this episode, uh, yeah. <laughs> because this was so earth-shatteringly groundbreaking, <laughs> and you guys are like, because, what? because they like because they kissed or something or like what it's like what yeah it was an interracial kiss and it was like one of the first times that it happened um so it's it's it it's hard to always keep the context so we'll point that out as we get there but 2018 was the last several years have been years of trying to push things forward with a lot of different social issues uh particularly in the united states but also just kind of across the Western world and racism being a big, huge um, one of those issues that's, that's being addressed constantly. And so um, I get it. Okay. I get what Chibnall was doing here. He was, he was, he was, he was doing a historical episode about something that was hugely important. And, you know, we're still working out all of the ramifications of that, like, like they showed, you know, like it was, it was Bill flipping Clinton that gave her the medal of freedom, you know, and what was it? What did they say? 1999 or something. I mean, this episode was 1955. I mean, that's a long time um, to get that kind of recognition and those kinds of things. So like, yes, we are still dealing with things, but I think that it's both a little shoehorned and also bothers me to think that's what we're saying is the future. We're saying 50 centuries from now. Yeah. No, more than that. I mean, this is the 21st century. So like 58 centuries from now, we're still going to have white supremacists who hate everyone who's not white so much that they're willing to travel through time and, and prevent the Rosa Parks incident. I mean, like it just, it, 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 It bothers me. Okay, for the same reason that... Okay, spoiler alert for season three of Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) Skip forward 30 seconds. It bothered me when we had the scene of... um, what Actually, what was the whole thing about? It was about... Oh, you have Star Trek's first non-binary character. And she has the conversation with one of the, the, the first very prominent gay characters in Star Trek to say, I never really felt like this pronoun or that pronoun worked for me. I forget exactly how she phrased it, but I'm like, if you're having to explain that in the whatever 25th yeah. century or 24th century, I'm like, that's a sad, bleak outlook. Now I get why yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it to put it in front of our eyes and put it into our ears. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm just like, let why let so CSI do that out. or something, like, let something that's that's taking place now do that. Yeah, why rather so or out? or do it on another planet. Don't do it in the Federation. Yeah. You know, and so to have all the stuff that we've learned about humanity's future in the Hooniverse, forget about Star Trek, in, in the Doctor Who world, we would hope that we're not still dealing with that 50 plus centuries from now. That's depressing yeah. to think about. Yeah. 
So again, that, that I'm, thought there was, should just never that shouldn't exist. That shouldn't be a thought that exists. Yeah, we should be so far beyond that at that point. Now, maybe that's me being rose-colored glasses and way too optimistic. I don't, I don't think know. so. If you think about how much we've progressed in the past like 70 years since yeah. this incident. Okay. It feels like but, the thought should right. barely cross anyone's mind 50 centuries okay, from now. But I'm okay. However, but, I bet. yeah, right. I'm I'm going to ask three white dudes to sit down for just a second and be reminded that while we have seen huge strides strides forward in the last 50 years, we also followed that up with some amazing steps backwards. Mm, And so there are some people who might not be as optimistic as we might be. And part of that is because just to be blunt, we're not as affected by it. And so it's harder for us to see what's really, what, what the level of progress really is because we're looking at it through our lenses. I mean, like I get things aren't perfect yet. But do you know sure. how long 50 centuries is? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. We launched into the technological age in like 100 years. <laughs> okay. 50 right. centuries. We went, we went from the first airplane to the moon in, in like 50 un- years. Yeah, I was going to say we're under farther a away from the moon under landing than the moon landing people were from the invention of planes. Holy crap. Okay. So at any rate, um, we don't understand. Okay, let's let's rephrase that. We know why we know why he was a time traveling white supremacist because the episode required. We, we, yeah, yeah, we we get it. Yeah. It's it's appropriate enough. We hope that it. Uh, man, don't make him 79th century. Make him like a hundred years in the future, not yeah, 50th yeah. century. Anyways, anyways, that all that aside, all that aside, um, we we get why it's there. We hope that that's not our future in any way, shape, or form. But Corbin, why does his plan suck? It. Uh, so at first I thought this was like a problem with the writing, but I think it's just him being an idiot. Does he really think that stopping, stopping this one there. incident will put down like Everything. the ending of segregation for 50 plus centuries? I like I don't know if he plans on going back to the future, but this event was I think he's thinks what? that this I will stop even, everything. Okay. This, which makes him an idiot. I didn't yeah. even I didn't even think about it in terms of 50 centuries. My thought was, because I think you said something like this. If he have stopped the Rosa Park incident from happening, something, some other spark would have lit the fire. Corbin, you said a couple of weeks later is yeah, what yeah. you said. And I'm thinking, yeah, like there was, you know, like if it hadn't been that incident, then yes, probably something else would have been the spark that, that would have lit the fire. But I wasn't even thinking about 50 centuries. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, he's hanging his hat on, if I can just stop this one thing from happening, nothing will ever happen over the yeah. course of the next 5,000 years. Like, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> I didn't even think about it in those terms. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. The idea of, I, I did like his plan where they put him, they put him in a box. They put him in yeah. a weird box. And I think that part of the reason they did was to, uh, is to make him less of a threat to the doctor and the companions. He can't kill Rosa. Yeah. Because yeah. again, like the doctor said, why not just kill her? And then it's like, oh, because he literally can't, you know, uh, spacey wacy technology won't allow him to. So then we introduced the idea that she hinted at earlier in the episode, which I think I put somewhere. Be careful. Excuse me. Be careful. History is fragile is what she yeah. says. Mm. Now, 
I'm gonna have I'm gonna have qualms with that in a minute. But I do like the idea that he's like, hey, I don't have to kill oh, anybody. Yeah. I don't have to blow anything up. All I gotta do is make a bus late. All I gotta do is convince some people that the buses aren't running and they're gonna walk instead. All I gotta do is get the bus driver to go fishing instead. Yeah. And and that you know what all of a sudden that's reminding me of is um when Bill was at the the frost fair thing and she's like everything that I'm doing right now could change the future forever and he goes yeah like every day of your life it's <laughs> 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 you know, just like it's just that you're in the past you know and it is yeah. interesting to think that um such tiny little things uh can change things Corbin was it um do you remember oh what's the book. The end of eternity. Yeah. Uh, who's who's the writer? I can't. I'm completely blanking. Asimov. I was, I, yeah. Isaac Asimov wrote a book called The End of Eternity, where you kind of have these these people that are kind of the you know the the time police kind of you know they make sure that things stay on track, and um, they they talk about the minimum necessary change, the the MNC or something like that. I might be getting it wrong. The minimum necessary change, and so like they say that you know they stopped an entire governmental program from getting launched that would result in space exploration by simply messing up the handbrake in a guy's car because they jacked up the handbrake, which made the guy late for a meeting, which meant that the thing never happened. And then boom, you know, boom, they never went to space or whatever it was, you know, these tiny little, you know, butterfly. I get that idea, but it's not like this incident is the sole cause segregation ended in America. That's obviously not right. It. Okay, so one of the things you guys mentioned was, wait a minute, she knew Martin Luther King ahead of time, and it's like, yeah, it's there was there was a little bit more going on than because uh, I I always grew up thinking that uh, as they even they even hinted at this in the episode where I think it was Yaz said people thought that she didn't want to get up from her seat because she was tired because it was after a long day of work. That is the story I was taught when I was in when I was in school. Was that it was the end of a long day yeah. and she didn't want to give up her seat because she was tired. And it's like, no, no. she didn't no. want to give she up her seat. She was doing this intentionally. Yeah. And like, like she said in the episode, now, I don't know how historically accurate it is. I don't know if we know what was said on the bus, but in the episode, she said, I don't think I should have to. And that's the whole thing is there what they were intentionally doing some things to bring some, uh, some issues to the forefront. Like we're going to force this question, we're going to force this issue because if everybody just keeps going along with it, you know, like the bus driver said, law, a law is a law. And then, uh, I think it was the same bus driver, uh, when Graham was talking to him and he said, doesn't matter how much they whine, it's never going to change. And it's like, mm, are so you, you crazy? Think. Like, but anyway, so, <clears throat> so yes, Corbin, I agree. Um, cries go sucks. So number three, on the checklist. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half hours in. I mean, we, we I knew, I knew we were, yeah. you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go down some roads on a couple of these episodes. So at any rate, uh, the TARDIS, 14 attempts at getting from Desolation mm-hmm. back to Sheffield and she's pretty close, meaning Alabama, which I had to remind, you know, we had to stop and think about it. Like when you're, you know, traveling across the galaxy, yeah. landing on the right planet even pretty if it was a few close. decades off, <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> Mars is probably pretty close. Like, ah, uh, yeah, you're like you're in the solar system. Like you're getting there. So, yeah. Um, okay, so we had episode one where the Doctor meets the companions and has an adventure in their hometown because the threat is there, right? Then we have episode two 
where the doctor accidentally brings them along, actually at the end of, of episode one, brings them along. So then episode two is her desperately trying to get them home. Now episode three is them ending up in the wrong place in time, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sexy would say otherwise, in the wrong place in time and having a look around at what's giving off Artron energy. I couldn't help but think of the doctor when he visited uh, Craig and he's like, it's a flickering light. It's nothing. It's just a power fluctuation. Definitely not investigating. Definitely not looking into it. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, presumably at the end of this episode, she's going to try and get them back to 2018 Sheffield again. Right. So I'm just wanting us thinking through that here a little bit. Cause I'm noticing, I'm noticing something about it. This, this go around. So, um, the doctor refers to the TARDIS as secondhand, huge mileage, one careless owner, which I thought was hilarious. But it does have me wondering now, was she the only owner? Like I was always under yeah. the impression that it was like, it was like she stole Old it from the auto it. shop, yeah. you know, like <laughs> it'd be like breaking into a, a garage, uh, you know, while, while somebody's oil is getting changed and stealing that car. Like that's kind of what I always thought. Yeah. Or it was like being decommissioned or something. So type uh, yeah, 40. It, it, it was, was, it was an old TARDIS when she stole it is what I always thought. That's what sexy said. Except that there was a bunch of TARDISes that looked exactly like it right next to it. Exactly. So they were also I, old. Yeah. Didn't he steal it from like a museum or something? She said that she belonged in a museum oh, when, wow. by the time he's, you know, it was already a museum piece by the time you stole me. Yeah. Um, now the TARDIS, speaking of sexy uh, disagreeing with the wrong place and wrong time, it picked up the Artron energy and the Vortex man- manipulator and brought them here. That's what the doctor said, right? So... My question is, what did they miss out on on the other 13 attempts? <laughs> this, <laughs> According to the doctor, this was the ninth, according to Graham, the 14th attempt mm-hmm. at getting them from Desolation back to Sheffield. And this time, it was because the TARDIS specifically brought them here to investigate this Artron energy and everything. And The other time, it was just inconvenient. Well, I don't know because remember, remember uh, Eleven saying you never took me, or you, you sometimes you didn't take me where I wanted to go, and she said, but I always took you where you needed to go, and so we we've, we've like established it in canon that it's not just that the Doctor doesn't know how to steer the TARDIS; it's also that the TARDIS is a little sassy and a little a little mischievous. Like, <laughs> let's put him down here and see if he can figure out the the mystery. So, what did he miss, or what? Excuse me, what did she miss on the other thirteen? <laughs> Places that they went to. Nah, times they'll, and they'll places. They'll get back to it later. I, yeah. <laughs> That's the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> it's going back. Um, what is this here? Oh, yeah. Corvin decided after seeing the intro with the purple blobby space stuff. That Corvin wishes that the purple was uh, the 13's color instead of the yellow. He's Honestly, like, that would that would work pretty well. I think. What orange is yellow looks <laughs> bleh. But that yeah. purple looks nice. I mean, yellow is not looks my like favorite you color. Peed on a crystal. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, is, you need to drink more water. Is it <laughs> yellow or orange? I, it's kind of both. Yeah, it's like it depends on how much light is passing through it yeah. at any given time. But yeah, uh, Corbin said, you know, like if the if the crystal was purple, and then like all of the all of the yellow crystalline stuff in the TARDIS was purple, and I was like, oh, that would be really cool, like amethyst purple. Yeah, like you know, crystal. I just realized. Her Sonic and her uh-huh. TARDIS uh-huh. were made completely unrelated to each other. Oh yeah, no. but they they Why have do they the same look so team? similar. Yeah, they look like exactly she the same. She made 
the Sonic. She didn't make the Charger. It's not even like she wanted it to look like that. She made it out of scraps that were lying around. It's so almost like, like the set designer and the prop designer were in... I mean, it was a <laughs> timey-wimey, spacey-wacy... In cahoots? To do what? Uh, you know, Destroy like collaborating. Show. I know, cahoots usually sounds nefarious. That's not what I meant. Destroy <laughs> it's almost like they were collaborating. Uh, the doctor drops names... Don't ever tell anyone that she lent Elvis a mobile phone and then he lent it to Frank Sinatra, (laughs) which was the most bizarre callback in this episode that they got the tickets to Vegas and to meet Frank Sinatra because presumably in a scene that happened off camera while we weren't around, she called Frank Sinatra on the mobile phone that Elvis that Elvis lent him that was lent to Elvis by the doctor and apparently not even lent like gave him a mobile phone and he just uses it now. Yep. <coughs> Makes he sense. just, he just carries it around. Remember Elvis didn't die. He just went home. Yes. Uh, other stuff we noticed. Uh, okay, quick. Tell me you're in America without telling me you're in America. <laughs> All right. Gospel mm. music. Check. Stars and stripes prominently placed in the opening shot. Check. Check. Chicken check check. Okay, so where's the the crossing pistols and the <laughs> the, the swinging bar doors? Oh, and the this is Alabama, you know not Texas. I forgot. Ah. I forgot to write this down. I forgot to write this down. But um, we did have a conversation. Was the bus driver packing heat? Yeah. <laughs> the opening scene. Yeah, I forgot about that. The bus driver. Pistol, the bro. gun. I'm mean, sorry. The camera was placed in such a way that when the bus driver stood up, you were looking. Just beside his right hip, at the butt of a pistol, and Corbin, <laughs> Corbin or Trip, one of y'all, that? one of y'all, at some point in the episode, not even then, it was at some point later, was like, "Why is there a police officer driving the bus?" And I was like, <laughs> "It looks like it's not a police officer." Not, I, he I went, explained. He went out and he called the cops. Right, but he I, was, I was carrying. But if you cop. remember, if you remember in that scene when they're taking Rosa off the bus. The first person to walk past the window is the bus driver. And he's yeah. wearing a hat with an insignia, like a brass insignia on the top of like, I don't know, an eagle or something, and a badge on his shirt as the bus driver. <laughs> the bus and I had to remind I had to driver. I had to remind slash inform you guys like everyone had a uniform yeah. in the you know in this time frame. And there were mu- there were many more like nowadays you see a badge. And you think, please. Yeah. Right? At least in the States. But I mean, like, a firefighter has a has a shield. Yeah. Bus drivers apparently <laughs> used to have a shield of some kind. And a um, gun. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, and all I can think is, A, was that a gun? I mean, what else could it have been? That was definitely a butt of a pistol on his holster. Uh, like on his hip. Six shooter in a holster. Too, was- yeah, it was mother of pearl handle <laughs> silver bullets the whole nine you know but i'm like okay a is that historically accurate were the were the bus drivers of 1955 alabama carrying pistols or or b was this uh as i as i jokingly reminded you guys of remember when Eleven was was in the White House, and he's like, "You're not going to shoot me." And River busts out and says, "They're Americans!" And he immediately goes, "Don't shoot!" Because you know we're all just you know uh, we're all packing at all times, and we all have you know itchy trigger fingers. Um, so it, I don't know. Was this like 
again, tell me you're in America without telling me you're in America. There's a, there's an American flag in the foreground of the opening shot. And then the bus drivers packing heat, like what in the world? So I did mention um, earlier that the doctor said carefully as, as you know, they're going to go look around and she goes, ah, but carefully history is delicate. And I just wrote, is it though? <laughs> Because the, the Cause 12th you only doctor was like on the end of the universe, like <laughs> wise. But I'm saying, like the twelfth doctor was like, eh, you know, go Who eat some cares? peanuts and walk on the ice at the frost fair. Like it's no big deal. Like I've sure. done it before. Yeah, whatever. Twice yeah. with Stevie Wonder, apparently. Oh yeah. Uh, so who's who? Who is Ryan Sinclair? Uh, <laughs> the waitress walks up. We don't serve Negroes. To which he says. Good, because I don't eat them. <laughs> that was the and best. I told the boys. <laughs> that was the It best. was a great line, but I told the boys, I just happened to, apropos of nothing, I have no idea why YouTube decided I wanted to see this video, and I did. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, the algorithm knows me better than I know myself. It was a video clip of Muhammad Ali, the, the boxer back in the day. Uh, in an interview, he once told a story about how uh, he had just won the uh, Olympic gold medal for the U.S. in boxing. He had defeated, you know, the Russians and he had defeated, I forget who he said, I don't know, the um, all the communist countries or whatever. So, like, he literally was like this symbol of, conquer, you know, the, the United States conquering communism. And he came back home. I went out there and I won the gold. I defeated the communists. I did it for America, right? And then he said... Because of that, he said, I, so I just knew I could eat downtown. So I'm, I'm just going to presume that in, in wherever he was, I don't even know where he was living at the time, that that wasn't something that black folks did at the time. You know, it was kind of one of these off limits things. And so he decided to go downtown and he walked into a cafe and he sat down and he ordered a hamburger or whatever. And the, the waitress said, we don't serve Negroes. And he said, well, that's good because I don't eat them. Just bring me my hamburger. And I, I literally just saw this video and so when I went back to find it, I'll put the link in the show notes. It happened to be he was being interviewed on a BBC show. <laughs> so he wasn't even here telling that story. And he was telling the story like years later. Oh, yeah. And um, But I thought, oh my gosh, that's so funny that I, I stole just saw that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but 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 it is a fantastic line. And then um, uh, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of Yaz's stuff later. So who is who is Graham? Because remember, it's it's two syllables. Graham. Graham. Two, two and a half syllables. Graham. Uh, he is really worried about lunch. He is really <laughs> worried about lunch. What? For lunch? Yeah. <laughs> See, do y'all notice this happens a lot? <laughs> like he is really needs a sandwich. A man needs a sandwich. Um, he got left hanging on the fist bump by Ryan, saying, "No, no, no! Don't, don't, do no, that. no, don't, don't do that." that. Graham tries so hard. He's trying so hard to connect with his grandson, and he's just not. Ryan is shutting him down left and right. Uh, I wonder if there's a storyline here. Uh, he did not want any part of the of this situation on the bus. Mm. Uh, again, I don't know. Oh, crap. I can't think of the actor's name now. Oh, I can't think. Of, the guy that plays Graham, I can't think of his name. He's brilliant. He is really good. Because when he's on that bus and he he stood still without speaking for like two minutes and did more acting than some companions yeah. did in their whole run. <laughs> his just his face is showing so much, so conflicted, yeah. so much pain, and he's there with 
Ryan, his grandson, he's there as the widower of his wife who looked up to Rosa Parks so much and knew knew intimate details about this very moment because his wife, who had a t-shirt that said Spirit of Rosa, would always tell him about. And now he's like, I have to be here and be on the wrong side of, I mean, talk about the, you know, the phrase being on the wrong side of history. How literal is that? He's in history. It's not even happening in the present. He's in the past and he has to make the conscious decision to stay on the wrong side of history, so to speak, so that this situation will unfold the way it's supposed to. And just showed all of that, just like some eyebrow twitches and stuff. It was amazing. Uh, Who is Yaz? She's not Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) I love the line, well, I'll just park my South Asian Mexican backside in the white section and see what happens. (laughs) That was fantastic. Um, We find out that she's Pakistani and she's a practicing Muslim who faces discrimination because of both, right? So we we have the line where she's talking to Rosa, or the scene, where she's talking to Rosa and says she's a police officer. And Rosa Parks is like, hmm. What? Like, how did that happen? You know? And, but still, in contrast to that, earlier in the episode, we have her and Ryan talking, and Ryan's like, don't tell me that you don't, uh, what was the word he used? Like, you don't, you don't get a, a bunch of grief about uh, being different on the police force, you know? And she's like, oh, yeah, all the time. She's like, you know, she, um, when she's responding to a domestic disturbance call, she, you know, people would call her a packy. Um, or when she um, is on the way home from the mosque, she gets called a terrorist, you know, and she, so she's dealing with, mm-hmm. with these different things. So we have like, they kind of like specifically outline that, that she's, uh, that she's uh, Pakistani, uh, uh, like heritage or origin. I'm pretty sure, I don't think we found out yet, but we're going, we're going to find out that she was born in Sheffield, yeah. um, but that her family is from Pakistan and that she is uh, practicing Muslim, that she is, you know, attending mosque and that kind of thing. Um, and those uh, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of those elements are going to come up again uh, later on. We're going to, we're going to have some neat tie-ins with that stuff later on. So who is the doctor? She is really excited to open this mystery briefcase. <laughs> yeah. She's really excited. I, I was really hoping that was his TARDIS. That would be so great. Oh, like, oh, um, interesting. Like, like uh, the Harry Potter. Yeah, that Harry the... Potter one. What? <laughs> he has the whole world inside of his magical beast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot all about yeah. that. Yeah, uh, that would be so like climb down the ladder. Like it, it, it only has to be wide enough for your hips to get through and your shoulders, <laughs> and then boom, it can be you know infinitely huge inside. Um, the the briefcase had initials uh, on on the leather. And in the Wikia, it was clickable and went to a page that no longer exists. So now I'm desperate to know what someone's crackpot theory was about what GFB stood for. <laughs> because, by the way, his name is Crasco. Yeah, what? So I'm like, uh, no K just, in that Probably name. just stole it or something, but. Um, <laughs> Crasco with a G. <laughs> yeah. And a silent F and B. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, the F and the B aren't silent. His middle and last name are silent. Entirely. Yeah. Um, she's definitely not Banksy, by the way. Or is she? Definitely. <laughs> I love when she said, Banksy or, doesn't have one of those. Or have I? <laughs> like, wait, wait. The double reversal on that statement was so great. I love it. Um, and she still can't get used to ma'am. As, that's hilarious. Uh, oh, speaking of, speaking of uh, getting used to ma'am, I 
loved that in the that in just the spur of the moment she had to suddenly pretend that Graham was her husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, <clears throat> I can't believe there wasn't more reaction from Graham when she said, uh, what did she call him? Dear or honey or something like that. She called yeah. him something like that when the, when the police officer came in the hotel room. And she's like, yes, dear. I like, I can't believe there wasn't a whip pan to Graham's reaction of burr. Um, but then we got that it's okay. We got a rain check on that when, as the police officer is leaving with his back to them, as the door is shutting, Graham <laughs> gently places his arm around her and puts his hand on her shoulder, like visible to no one, adding no coverage to the story, but except a great face, <laughs> a fantastic side eye face scrunch from, from the, the doctor there. She just kind of was like, like, what is that? You know, I mean, like, like he had just blown his nose into his own hand and then placed it on her shoulder. That was the reaction. It was so great. And it was, you know, it was, I was trying to recall like seeing other, other incarnations do things similar to that. Because, you know, we, we, we've talked about like, except when River is around, the doctor is just like almost asexual, just like romance is just yeah. not even a thing, you know? <clears throat> and so that would not have been weird. Like if, if Amy had done that to 11, I could see him making that same face, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Guys, News of the Hoobian is also brought to you by listeners like Victor, Jared, and James. If you find value in what we do like they do, here's what you can do. You can just give a little bit back. Little, 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 little. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get through this one quickly this week. Noobsinthehoobian.com slash support. Find your favorite way of supporting your favorite family-friendly independent media today. All right, guys, that brings us down to the classic Who connections. Let's see. Uh, Jared, huh? help. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. This is Jared with your Classic Who Connections for Rosa. And if I sound like I'm a little bit softer than normal, uh, hopefully the, the levels will uh, t- adjust for that. But I've got a sleeping baby in the room next door, so I'm trying to record and not wake my youngest grandson, who's just eight months old and enjoying an afternoon nap, which would be lovely. Sound I might do that after recording here, but we've got some classic Who connections to go over, and so let's get to those. Uh, it is mentioned here that the TARDIS feeds on Artron energy. Um, we've talked about Artron energy before, uh, but in relation to the TARDIS, this was first mentioned uh, by the Fifth Doctor in the serial Four to Doomsday, but I should clarify that, I think, a little bit. The Doctor just said that there was a connection between Artron energy and what powers the TARDIS, and then left it very, very vague there. That's a classic, classic Who thing to do, to just throw something out there but leave it extremely vague. And it seems like New Who uh, is throwing in a lot of those details, which is kind of fun uh, when you put it all together. But so it's not that you know, it was really mentioned exactly what happens, you know, and you'll remember Artron energy is the sort of radiation that comes from time travel, um, you know, background radiation. So uh, how convenient that the TARDIS uh, gets its power from traveling through time, which is what it needs to power up to do. So cool. Anyway, uh, moving on. So we saw the TARDIS show events from history. Um like, you know, watching a TV. Well, that apparently you need um, 
gadgets to do that. Uh, back on, in the serial The Chase with the first Doctor, uh, they used the machine called the Time Space, the Time Space Visualizer, uh, to show events from history. Now, of course, at that time, it's showing events in the future sometimes, but still, um, if the Doctor's been all around time and space, it's all history, right, to them. Anyway, um, you know, it, it basically looked like a fancy TV, a, a, a uh, the, the time-space visualizer, um, and they had to get it working. So it, it seemed like it was separate from the TARDIS, but maybe it's always been a part of the TARDIS. I don't know, but it's sort of a weird machine to specifically say that you need or, or show that you need. Um, and and so in the me- the time meddler which the name of this serial might give away what's going on. Uh, It's with the second Doctor. They came across, surprise, surprise, time travelers who tried to mess with the course of history with with time. Uh, So that was the uh, same kind of concept as as this one here. And uh, finally, past Doctors have not traditionally taken lightly with being called Doc Graham. Uh, I can't I can't even pronounce it the way Gr- Graham and they anyway they adding that extra syllable in the name Graham um, they uh, he called him Doc at one point and the first doctor and the sixth doctor in classic who did not appreciate that it would appear that the 13th doctor that uh, Whitaker's doctor here doesn't seem to mind it so uh, maybe this is a new Doctor thing. I can't remember any classic Who Doctor being called Doc and being okay with it. I think it only really came up in the, with the first and second, sixth Doctor. I think it was only written into those two. All right, so um, my rating for ep- this episode, I thought it was a uh, it was a good, strong episode. I liked the historical aspect. Uh, I think it's fun. They haven't done things like that in a, in a little while at least. Um, and love that they were saving history. I, I had some problems with the episode, which you guys may have talked about already. Like, okay, so they needed to be on the bus and they needed to not give up their seat for Rosa Parks in order for her to get arrested. And they built this up into like some big kind of moral dilemma uh, when they realized that they needed to stay on the bus. But the outcome, yes, she's going to get arrested, but we, we know she's arrested, but not like... You know, it's it, she's 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 okay. She survives and all that. But you know, and, and and I know, of course, you wouldn't want anyone to go through that if they didn't have to. But you know that the outcome is so important, so important. To, I just I don't I don't see that it's quite that it would create in me quite the gut gut wrenching wrenching uh, you know emotion that they tried to put upon that. But maybe I'm you know maybe I, I'm not there, and maybe I didn't quite get into it fully. I mean, it was, um, yeah, so that's, I, I, I just kind of interested there. And it was interesting to me, this is not a criticism or anything, but it was interesting to me that they chose this moment. If you're talking about racial relations or, or, or progress, uh, racial progress or, or moments that turn the tide and things that, uh, it's interesting that a British show chose an, an, a moment in America, in American history, um, is, is are there? I don't. I'm not familiar enough with British history and 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 race and all that. And maybe it, it's it was it never got to the point where it got in America. Um, you know, things were weren't as as bad there. I'm I'm not sure. Um, but it, it was just 
interesting that they chose this point in American history. And maybe it's uh, reaching across the pond, trying to get more American viewers. Maybe maybe the BBC said, um, you know, we've got to do something um, um, very American or, or to, to catch, catch American viewers there. Or maybe it was just too sensitive at the time to... Uh, uh, to do anything from there from British history and and so it's easier to do something from American history again not a criticism I I love that they did this and it, it's such an integral part to uh, American history and uh, I, I love that that it, they base the whole episode around that story um, anyway all that to say I'm giving it nine out of ten time traveling greasers because I thought uh, I mean, obviously he fits in well, but I thought that it was just a funny, um, especially in the in the South like that, just a funny uh, uh, way to, to, to dress that character or persona to give that character. Um, and I'm giving it, this might sound surprising, but I'm giving it 250 creep levels. There was nothing creepy like jump scares and things, but it was it was creepy to see how they depicted the South at that time, especially for um, people of color, uh, you know, to how they showed them and sadly how accurate it was. Um, and for for the time being, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a long time ago, but at the same time, it's not that long ago that uh, people were believing that based on the color of someone's skin that they could be any different as people so um and and how you know people treated each other in that way um so to me that's really creepy to you know makes my skin crawl to to think about that so um you know it's a delicate subject i thought they handled it well without hitting people over the head with uh, their their agenda per se um, i didn't think they had any specific you know agenda really um not that i saw at least and uh you know i think they handled it all well so um good episode enjoyed it and uh that there you go so all that's left to say is thank you to the tardis wikia and thank you to the news and the whovian for continuing to have me on and i look forward to bringing you more classic who connections next time so jared remember it's ryan crayon graham obviously graham Graham. Graham. You got to force it. Just like Craig. You got to push it. You got to push it. It's from your diaphragm. Graham. Graham. Craig. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, Yeah. So um, I kind of, I, I, I agree with Jared. Like um, there's plenty about this episode that I do not like. Like we, we didn't even get into uh, the problems that I had with the back half of this episode. The whole sequence from, from when like the doctor drops off her coat with Rosa from then on, it's like, no, nothing makes any sense anymore. Um, they find a guy at a fishing spot on a Creek. They're able to find him somehow that morning. Yeah. They knock on a door as obvious outsiders in this insular Alabama town and convince convince two people to Go get on a plane and fly to Vegas. Yeah. Um, Which, did they actually fly him out to Vegas to meet Frank Sinatra? Was that what That was the implication, was that, thank goodness, Elvis lent that phone to Frank Sinatra, is what she said. Um, The the whole bit about, okay, one of y'all mentioned that Crasco knew how many people the bus was short. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, 
blocks away, presumably, standing in the middle of the street, yet he knows how many people are on the bus in real time? I think he was saying approximately, but the fact that he was exactly right. It, but it doesn't even matter. Like, how would he know approximately how many people are on the bus ever? It wasn't point? exactly right anyways, because the doctor and the companions make four people. This is so, true. Like, oh, yeah. Well, not count. Well, Ryan was standing right there in front of him. Um, just so so much of, of that felt like Does, yeah. the, it should have been a longer episode. Like I felt like we were missing entire scenes of of these various things happening. Um, Ryan presumably outrunning the bus along its route. Yeah, to yeah. tell people to get on the bus. Because um, like I, like I was under the impression that he convinced some people to to stay there and wait, and they got picked up by the bus. But then a few minutes later, we see Ryan a couple of stops ahead. While the bus is running, and it's just like yeah. it, it, it just got to be like zany madcap cartoon times, um, that that it just wasn't adding up, and and we've already we've already talked about all the problems with Crasco and all this, but still, I, this is a great episode to me. Yeah, it's it's one that uh, the 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 second time I was going to watch it, I was like, uh. I'm not going to enjoy this one because I remembered all of that. I remembered it was like, it was so weird. And like, but then as you watch it, it's like, wow, it's, it is so powerful. It is impactful. Yeah. 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 And and like so much of it is done so well that that stuff being as bad as it is almost makes it stand out more. Like, why was that part so weird when the rest of it was, was done so well? I think it's like you said that they needed more time with this episode and they took their time at the beginning, which, right. Which was what was so impactful. But yeah. they the wrap up was and yeah. was so there were you know there were some great character moments um, getting you know seeing Ryan and Yaz sort of connecting and um, <laughs> seeing Graham struggling with this whole thing um, we got to see a little bit more of the Doctor you know just being her mischievous mm-hmm. self you know like I'm really excited about this briefcase you know those kinds of things so I did overall I did enjoy it um, I man I'm I'm like I'm I'm conflicted because I'm like. In one in one sense, I want to give it like a five or a six, yeah. But also, I want to give it like a nine. <laughs> you know, like there's so there was so much of it that was so bad, but there was so much of it that was so good. So I think I'm just gonna err on the side of uh, how much I did enjoy it and go nine out of ten. Oh no, now I can't think of it. Um, I don't know. I didn't think of a thing. All of that explanation, I didn't think of a thing. Nine out of ten broken down buses. Uh, so we haven't even touched on the fact that in terms of like preserving the timeline, they did a terrible job. Because <laughs> obviously they weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Well, they got, oh, okay. All right. That, that you reminded me of something else that, I, that Jared sort of made me think about that I hadn't yet. The fires of Pompeii. At the end of the episode, the doctor and Donna realize that the reason that the people of Pompeii were all wiped out when Vesuvius erupted was because they made Mount Vesuvius erupt. Like, that's the way it always was. Because if they hadn't made Vesuvius erupt, the whole planet would have been destroyed. Mm -hmm. So in that story, they weren't changing the timeline. They were actually fulfilling it. They were actually, you know, keeping it on track. Okay? So in this episode... What is it? 
They don't even say. Because, no, but Yaz says, we were here. She says it as though this is the way it always went. She yes. says, I, we Yaz, were here. the all-knowing, omnipotent so. being in this universe. She doesn't know. She's just saying <laughs> stuff. I, I think that was merely coincidence. Well, so that's what I'm wondering is, was it a case of we, somebody came back here to try and screw up the timeline and we fixed it and foiled their plan enough that we preserved the major points of the timeline? Or was this the way it always happened? What do you guys think? I mean, I kind of feel like this was definitely not the way it always happened. You would think if some of these events actually happened, those would be in history books. Like, and can you believe the bus driver almost didn't drive the bus that day? And there was all these weird things surrounding Why the events. Why would that be? Well, I think Why someone would, would have noticed. noticed. Like, those noticed. stories would have been told where it's like, oh, the bus route was supposedly closed and there wouldn't have been enough passengers, there, there, but some random man told there people. There might have been a story about the the crazy the four crazy Brits running around town that kept intersecting this story. That too. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Might, that might have surfaced. And then these weird British people were literally everywhere it, in the town that I day. I mean, okay, all right, okay. I, if, if at the end, when they were staring at the video projector up on the wall, if they had come across a news clipping that for some reason Yaz was in the background, it would be like, oh, oh yeah. It was always meant to be that way. But like we didn't get a button on it. With yeah. the exception of with the exception of Yaz saying that. Yaz saying What would what did she say? She said Oh we were here. Yeah, we were here. Always. We were part of we're part of history or something like that. I mean, I'm assuming That sounds like her that- saying now we were there. No, no, no. Well, uh, I, I'm I t- assuming that this is what the writers meant for it. That, is it they were, they always, were there? always there? Because a yeah. character went out and said it. So I that's think that my, was the idea. That's my thing. The fact that Yaz said, we were here. We're part of the story that, or we're yeah. part of history or whatever it was, leads me to believe that that's what we're supposed to think. We're, we're That in universe, we're supposed to mm-hmm. think, just like with Vesuvius, that the reason the incident happened is because they were there, which again gets into the whole, you know, time paradox bootstrap, you know, like how did they know Vesuvius was going to erupt if they hadn't originally been there to blow it up? And, you know, like how did they know Rosa Parks was going to do this if they weren't there to make it all happen? And so I don't know. I don't know. It's curious. So Corbin, what's your overall rating? Uh, I don't know. I really didn't like this one as much as y'all clearly. First of all, The ending is weird. We've stated several reasons why this episode probably shouldn't have happened at all. (laughs) When your only explanation for why something happens is because, oh, well, then the episode wouldn't exist. That's not a really good explanation. I really hate (laughs) that explanation. That's the explanation for every episode that ever exists of any TV show ever. (laughs) Then every episode of every TV show ever is very dumb. But Then why do you watch it? I don't like that. And I don't know. I feel like even by 2018, it's not like they were saying anything revolutionary with like, oh, did you know that black people used to be discriminated against? Yes, we all knew that. We were taught it in history class. Like, I don't think you're saying anything new here. So, I don't know. I don't know that they were like trying to break new ground like uh, revealing to yeah. you the the unknown story of rosa parks i don't think that's 
don't think that was the point. They, no, what they were didn't they come to out to be like, this is new information that everybody needs think, to know. I think it was they a, just said it like it was a fact. Yeah, it was an historical episode. Yeah. It's just, you know, they went back in time to meet a historical figure and talk about their story. I guess. Shed some light on it. <laughs> See how it still applies to people today. Because you had two characters who are still feeling the ramifications of those kinds of things. Oh, by the way, that makes me uh, want to ask one more question that I can jam in here before Corbin can give his rating. Um, Brits, British listeners to the show, help me out with something because I, like Jared, I've I've always wondered, like, what what is the situation or what has been the, the historical situation of, like, race relations in the UK? Because um, I, I, like, I know that um, the enslavement of black people in the UK was a thing, just like it was in the United States. It ended, I think, earlier in the UK, but I know that it wasn't, I don't think it was ever quite the thing that it was in the US, because in the US, it was like the foundation of the Southern economy for a couple of centuries. So I don't know what it was like in the UK, and I don't know what it continues to be like. And obviously, you know, Ryan and Yaz kind of chimed in that, yeah, I mean, like they have some struggles. Um, you know, there are some similar issues, but I am curious. So, so I'd love to hear from some folks that are, you know, across the pond that can maybe um, shed a little bit of light on the subject. So Corbin, what's your rating? You think mm, it's not as good as we do. I'm going to say uh, probably seven out of 10 really weird names. Crasco. Crasco. Trip. what about you? I think this was a really good episode. I I don't get what you were talking about at the end. I don't think it all fell apart. Oh, you don't think so? I mean, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but that's just how it has to be for the whole plot to fit together. Okay, so I, you say that. I really don't pay attention to that type of thing. I I really don't care Shut up in your popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think this was an impactful story and we needed yeah. the time in the show to talk about the things that were really important instead of, I don't know, the little how to details about yeah. how it all came together. In that's, the that's sure. what I think about it. So I think this was actually really well done with the limited time that they have. So, so if, think, if the episode suffers at the end, you said earlier, it's because of how much time we spent at the beginning yeah. with character development, theme development, which we really, can, which, which is, we really needed. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I think it's a 10, honestly. Whoa. It's Woo! gotta be, cause this is so impactful and it's kind of, uh, bringing out a lot of questions that we, that we take for granted nowadays. We're like, that's true. Yeah. It's, it's all solved, but it's not. And we right, need right. an icebreaker to like break that into conversations. Mm-hmm. So well, it's also good historical perspective Yeah, because, um, I grew up in an era post segregation, post civil rights movement. And, and so, so I have some blind spots. You guys are even further down the road. And so you guys have blind spots, um, that you're not even aware of yet. So it's, it's good to, to sort of go back and say, and Corbin, I would say that that's maybe that's the point. It's not like, yeah, here's something you never knew before, but it is, it is what you have. Yeah. And it's also like, it's one, it is one thing to learn it in a history class. It's another thing to see it in this sense where we get to yeah, yeah. hang out with these characters and that kind of thing. So Trip, you gave it 10 out of 10. What? Uh, roast battles. What? Do you remember when, um, <laughs> what the, the doctor and Crasco, they were like, 
standing on opposite roofs and they're like totally going at it where he's like, you got a crap TARDIS. And then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, at least it's better than your crappy teleporter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about that. Right. Oh, um, creep level. Jer- Jared gave it 250 out of 500 because yeah. he was simply creeped out by, holy crap, people used to act that way. Um, so, Trip, what do you what do you think? Um, I'm going to go quite a quite a bit lower than that. <laughs> I think that's a high throw, but like 60 cuz I I do get what Jared's saying. This is uh Yeah. hard to get into kind of. It's hard to explain. Yeah. All right. Corbin. I'm going to say 10. I mean I don't know. That's not I'm, creepy to me. I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go with what I think Corbin's interpretation is. Jer- Jared tends to uh, think broadly about the word creepy. Yeah. And so he, he, he always comes at it from a slightly different angle. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with jump scares and stuff that's going to haunt me in my dreams. There was a dark alley at one point. Right. That might <laughs> right. be 20. So I'm going to, I'm going to go 10 as well. I mean, I'm going to go pretty like, I definitely understand what Jared's saying, but yeah, I'm it's just like, not, that's not the scale I'm using. But it should be, Oh, people used to act like that. Wow. Not, Oh, I'm terrified of how what? they act. What? It's, Jared Jared tends to go a little more uh, deeper, existential yeah. and relational. Like he's always like, "Oh my gosh, I can't imagine you know a, a, a young girl being in that situation." <laughs> I remember him saying something <laughs> similar to that one time, and I was like, yeah. "That's mm-hmm. one way of thinking of creepy." Yeah, sure, I got you. I'm with you. Uh, let's see theories. Uh, just I can think of there was there was a key scene. Trip, do you, do, you, do you want to discuss? Will they or won't they? What? Ryan and Yaz, will they what or won't the they? Key, oh, the like bonding scene where they're sitting behind a dumpster or whatever. <laughs> yes. No. Is that not what you're talking That's about? That's not what we're talking, talking about. What were you talking about? What were you thinking? Y'all didn't, nobody? Nothing? I was I, thinking about the same thing. She said Cam. the last time she crept into a window, it was to, it was in 10th grade. She was creeping into some boy's room. And That's Ryan not the important goes, part. Oh, that was Huh? Cool. The important part is them relationship building over their struggles as minorities. Yeah. That's the important part. I'm talking about the, okay. Them talking about he said, her being a big you shot just went down in my estimation. And she's like, oh, knock it off. And he said she, he was really swinging above his his class or whatever. And she goes, did you just accidentally pay me a compliment? Okay, that too. I, I can't believe that. neither of y'all. I, I was expecting both of your eyes, at least trips, to lock onto mine. Because that was totally. Mm, okay. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I can see that. Okay. That's but not flirting, thinking, but the important part yeah. is no. That's but that's, that's what I'm that's talking what you're about. Saying. Okay, I know. I, I definitely get what you're saying, but the I mean relationship that, building. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. sure. But but, but then okay, like making whatever. your whole thing so far has been like her making googly eyes with an extreme close up. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't think those were googly eyes at all, and you were like, Oh, it was totally googly eyes. And you're like, Yeah, and y'all didn't catch the okay. That was the most overt flirting I they've done. I got that. I just, I forgot yeah. about that scene. That was the most it's followed up by scene. a more important, Okay. Like, yeah. True. Okay. All right. So the game plan. <laughs> okay. So do y'all want to, Corbin says, I hope not, but probably Tripp says, yes, they will, but it's going to take two to three more episodes. And that hot was wrong. The... That was last week. Yeah. Last episode. Excuse me, hot wrong. There's still two episodes. <laughs> There's still one to two episodes wrong. left before he's wrong. I thought you made that prediction at the start of the season, which no, 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 no. then you'd be wrong. Haha. <laughs> wrong. So Trip, any any alterations to your thing? No, I'm gonna keep that. So thing. you're saying somewhere mid season. Yeah. Episode five or six, we're gonna see that yes, they're gonna become a, a couple. They're gonna become an item. 
Okay. Yeah. Guys, next week we're covering season 11, episode four, Arachnids in the UK. We still don't have a release date. Yeah. Hmm. All of the headlines lately are... It might um, be releasing sometime in nope, our lifetime. Nope. All of the what? Doctor Who headlines lately are, are about the new Doctor. The rumors about Jodie Whittaker leaving. And maybe there's this and maybe there's that. Did I mention this on the on the podcast or was it just I've while just we were talking? Um, the, the current rumor is that we're going to get season 13 and then there's going to be, a la David Tennant, some 13th Doctor Jodie Whittaker specials yeah, yeah. before a regeneration. And currently season 13 is slated to be eight episodes. The Some of the rumor mill is saying that the eight episodes could be including two special episodes that will air next year. So we might, the rumor could be that we're going to get six episodes in season 13, maybe a holiday special, maybe not. And then maybe some kind of specials with Jody next year and then a regeneration. I'm still hanging my hat on they're going to regenerate her like in the middle of the season and just blow everybody away. <laughs> that That's, would be pretty... Yeah, That'd that would be both uh, wrong to Jody <laughs> yeah. to, to cut her short season even shorter. And totally epic. And also would be the thing that I've been begging for, so I can't be mad if it happens. Guys, Noobs in the Hoobian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Your audio engineer is Thing One. I'm Trip. Your production editor is Exposition. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for his classic Who connections. And shout out to Victor, Jared, and James for their ongoing Patreon support. You can find us at noobsinthehoobian.com where you can find links to our social medias, our emails, big old subscribe button, uh, links to our Patreon, our support page. Wherever you find us, guys, make sure that you subscribe, leave us a rating, throw some stars at our face, share us with a friend. Not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. As always, my name is Austin, and I'm the Hoobian. These are my sons, Corbin Tripp. And we're the news. And until next time, be safe if you can, but always be amazing goodbye be whip live from master closet studios it's a waveform i mean it's trip <laughs> i'm a waveform <laughs> oh the times that i wish this were a video podcast oh, yeah. why are you making a ghost noise though because uh, i'm going up and down waveform yeah obviously obviously <laughs>